0: Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, you guys know, this is my space that I want to honor our guests because I know they're coming with a couple of things that I deem very expensive. That is their time. Andrea, I want to thank you for coming and share some of this precious commodity with us here at Threads of Enlightenment. Many people do not understand the value of it. They do not learn how to respect time and honor it. And it speaks volumes to those that we could look at their life and it will tell us. The other is the journey, Dre. Thank you so much for coming and sharing that precious commodity as well, because it housed much information and it created who you are today. And so we're honored that you're here to share both of these preciousness with us here at Threads of Enlightenment. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment.
1: Thank you for having me on, Ken. I'm excited for this conversation.
0: Me too, man. Tell the people how you serve, because I tell them, as I mentioned to you on the onset, becoming a servant is our, the prize that we get to live from and through once you've gone through your journey, and there's nothing like it. So uh, introduce to you, them to you as to a servant. How do you serve mankind, if you will?
1: Sure. So my background is in the sports world, and how that connects to what I do now is we over here at uh work on your game it's the name of our brand and company we take the tools mental and strategic to help athletes reach the top of the sports world and we have translated those tools from the football court or the football field or the basketball court or the swimming pool and we translate those over to the business world to help professionals perform at their highest level do so consistently and make more money and we've created a bunch of frameworks and sub frameworks that help people understand that and of course help them apply it and use it in their business and in their everyday lives
0: That is awesome. I can't wait to get into this conversation. I always tell people there's a couple of things that we can do with our children at a young age to assist them. One artists, Uh, it teaches them to engage the imagination. The imagination is one of the most powerful tools out there and the mindset of an athlete, um, meditation and all those things are part of being an athlete life. And uh, so when you learn, uh, from a young age, it will translate into your older life, your adult life, if you will. Uh, Dre, one of the things, the customs that we do here at President Enlightenment is visit the space we call family. It is a space where we hang out there for a couple of years before we move on to our life to embark on our journey. What was your family unit like?
1: Growing up, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so growing up, uh, two parents, one sister, so it was just four of us. And my parents were really mostly about just they wanted to make sure both of their kids went to school and hopefully to college and graduate from college because neither of my parents, at least when we were kids, they had not finished college. My dad never really was looking towards college. And my mom dropped out of college when she had two young kids in her early 20s. So she didn't finish college till I was probably about, you know, uh, maybe 22, 21, 22 years of age. So the biggest thing for them was just they want their kids to be well educated, go to school, graduate high school, of course, go to college, get a college degree, and hopefully um, I'm they didn't say this in so many words, but I'm guessing Ken that their theory was that if their kids go to college and graduate, they'll be in a better situation and they'll move on, move forward, and just do a little bit better than the parents had done. So I think that was their plan. And both my sister and I did graduate from college, and my sister became a professor in college, and I became uh, this. So I think my are- <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, that's beautiful. I love it. Um, it's great because my mom and dad uh, um, did the same similar things where they went back in afterwards, uh, you know, there are five of us. And after my mom, uh, I was in co- uh, high school when she went to nursing, because I remember as a child, she always wanted to be a nurse and she became a nurse um, when I was uh, much older. So while you are here in this unit, we call the family. What was it like? I know your mom and dad uh, education was the pursuit, the the, um, the motivation, if you will. What was that conversation with? I could, I, I'm asking this question. I'm laughing because I remember some of the conversation that we had in our house when we were talking about uh, education as far as children and stuff like that. What was that conversation like with your parents and the motivation, you know, to do better and so forth but what was this conversation invited to some of those uh that you had with mom and dad when they were um, guiding you if you will to education
1: well my mom is her background is in education so she was always into teaching and she would even when i was growing up she would sometimes tutor other people's kids on you know some subject in school that they weren't doing too well at or And, of course, her own kids, my sister and I, my sister became really good. She performed very well academically, which is why she works in the academic field to this day. And myself, uh, she had us on reading books and things like that from a very young age. So the reading led to a lot of writing. I'm sure we'll get into that uh, here in this conversation. But as far as where they wanted us to go, it wasn't really so much a conversation it was just that our mom was just steering us so you're going to do good in school because she was teaching us like before we even started school she was teaching so she was teaching us no reading and writing from a pretty young age so this is why when we went to school we were already pretty advanced compared to most kids because we had already been kind of had a little bit of tutoring at the house already and being that we saw my mom i was we were young but i was old enough to remember my mom being in college and trying to take night classes and stuff like that but it got to the point where she kind of couldn't do it like you got two young kids. I can't keep doing this and work and raise the kids. So that's when she stopped her college career and didn't pick it up again until her youngest child, which was me, was almost out of yeah. school. So and out of the house and all of that. So for her, it was just we just want to go to school, you know, get your grades, do well, you know, do your homework every night. You know, all of the normal yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and then get into college and go to college and do something. So. Uh, like I said, I have a sister. She did so well academically that she went to some of the best schools and got scholarships and stuff like that for academics. Whereas I went more of the sports route, had a little bit of academic. I got a little bit of academic uh, favors, but not as yeah. much as my not as much as my sister did. But my thing was more towards the athletic side of things, which my parents didn't really know anything about. So I had yeah. to kind of navigate that and figure it out on my own, which I later on did. I'm sure we'll get into that stuff. But it wasn't to answer your question here. It wasn't really a conversation like my parents were saying, hey,
0: it was you're six years old. If you <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. It wasn't,
1: like, yeah, it wasn't like they were saying, hey, you're six years yeah. old, but when you're 18, you're going to go to college. It wasn't like that. It was just, yeah. they, they kind of just guided it, and it was almost a natural progression. Yeah. And yeah. your
0: love of ball, when do you remember that, that um, part of you began, you know, you began to experience it? Because I know what it is to get lost. While you're playing ball in eight hours later, ten hours later, that type of thing right. when did you start uh getting that love for, for the court
1: Well, it was just start with sports period it wasn't just yeah. it wasn't uh, basketball itself, so I was just always into all different kinds of sports so anything athletic that I could do once I saw that there was a such thing as sports, I was just into that so yeah. you know we would play kickball on the back the back driveways, and somebody had a little portable hoop we would play on that and um, two-hand touch football and all that kinds of stuff, baseball, whatever. So basketball, I actually didn't really get into in Ernst until maybe about age 14, which is pretty late to do yeah. something, playing a sport. But I played a little bit of, uh, started to play a little bit of football and never played seriously. Played a little bit of baseball, wasn't really that good at that. And you know, tried maybe a little bit of track and field, went to a, a tennis camp randomly every now and then, something like that. But yeah. the sport that I ended up really in investing into was basketball but it wasn't until about age 14 at that point I knew that was I had tried pretty much every other sport and I said this yeah. is a sport I'm going to try to make something happen and so that's where I stayed in basketball yeah yeah mine
0: yeah. I'm I'm from Guyana man and um at that age I was messing around with cricket uh, and, uh My Adam, I never so played. bad <laughs> yeah do play yeah, I love the sport and was uh, training myself to become a cricketer, if you will. So mm-hmm. here you are, you you um, found this particular uh, venue by which you said, okay, I think I could make something out of this. Uh, right. but as you began to move through that, um, uh, what was your, you know, you looked at it and you said, I could make something about this. What did you begin to do, uh, Trey? so that you can make something out of this
1: well the first thing i did was just go to the court with a ball and just i would play with the other kids of course in the neighborhood yeah. because where i come from and i'm from philadelphia pa so when you come from the city especially the east coast in the area that yeah. i came from everybody plays basketball that's what all the young yeah. men do because you don't need any equipment you just need one ball and everybody can play so yeah. i would just play with the kids in my no age group we would yeah. all just play and what i realized from just some uh inductive reasoning or deductive reasoning was that i wasn't going to be able to catch up to them because they had all been playing longer than me they've been playing okay. since maybe age eight or age five and i was just kind of starting out so i said well if i'm going to say to myself ken if i'm going to catch up to these kids or be better than them because i've always been a competitor and i couldn't have languished it this way back then but i had the thought i need to yeah. do some stuff that they're not doing i had to practice even when they're not out here, because if I just played with them, then we're all kind of progressing at the same pace. So I realized that the local park that I you know, grew up three blocks away from, nobody would come out there in the daytime in the summers because it was too hot, quote unquote, yeah. too hot for everybody. So I basically used that time as my practice time. So I would go to the court maybe about nine, ten o'clock in the morning and practice out there by myself from 10 o'clock in the morning till somewhere around maybe the two o'clock p.m. Range, yeah. maybe not the whole time, but I would that would be my window because I knew at that yeah. window nobody else would be at the park because it was too hot. Yeah. The sun is right mm-hmm. above head, and this is on asphalt concrete, so it's hot. But then everybody would come outside around five, six o'clock when the sun goes down. And that's when everybody would be out at the park playing. So I basically was kind of double dipping, I was doing both at the same time, and I would use that afternoon time to try to work on my game and practice. Yeah. Now, the thing is. And this is we're talking to mid to late 1990s here so yeah it's not like i'm looking on my phone for a drill to do off somebody from instagram or youtube because those things yeah. did not exist at the time so i'm really just kind of thinking things up in my head or trying to remember something that i saw somebody do the night before and then i'm trying to practice it on my own so really i was flying blindly here hoping that i could figure out how to kind of figure out how to get good at basketball. Luckily. It took some years but luckily it ended up working
0: yeah a couple of skills the reason why i asked that question uh dre is because i wanted you to because i knew you were going to pinpoint it because it is the process by which we move forward Mm -hmm. one first must make a decision within themselves once you make that decision and i tell people all the time that life is a series of internal decisions Mm -hmm. um I believe that is when the soul of that man is engaged and not the intellect of the man. And when that soul of the inside says, I'm gonna do this, I think it becomes a reality. Then what it does, that individual begins to take the necessary step to make what he had just said within himself Mm -hmm. to become a reality. And that's why I wanted to see that you took the step, you began to look what was around you, and you use the opportunity of the court, no one there. And you began to do the the work necessary to make you into the player that you wanted to be so that you mm. can compete because you had already made a decision that this is my ground, this is where I'm gonna be. So that's why I asked that question, to pull that out of you so that people can see that that's how you move forward. Dre, you're here, you made the decision, you're, you're, you're training. And developing your critical thinking skills as well, because that's what uh, you're—you saw someone and you're trying to figure it out. You're moving and developing your your uh, mental uh, strength as well. Now it's court day. You're out there, and uh, you start getting on the court with a couple of the boys as they begin to look at you and go, "Wait a minute, there's something a little different about Dre Up in here." So Dre, talk to us as you begin to improve. Mm -hmm. What? Did the others began to notice because they're gonna come and ask, What are you doing, man?
1: Um, well it kinda it kinda happened that way, but kinda didn't because it yeah. took a few years. You know, I didn't I didn't play on my high school team until I was a senior. So yeah. senior years, ages 17, 18. I had to start playing at age fourteen. But even that year when I was on a high school basketball team, I wasn't really playing. I was sitting on the bench yeah. most of the season so most of the people most of my peers from my neighborhood never really saw me as the flourishing basketball player because after high school i went off to college and then when i was at college i wasn't really in the neighborhood playing as much so they didn't yeah. really get to see me once i became what i would consider good by yeah. the time i became good i was hanging out on the college campus all the time and most of the peers from my neighborhood were not there
0: so yeah. they didn't really yeah.
1: see me until maybe after college when I was mm-hmm. home for maybe a year or two, that's when they got to see me. And to them, it was a it was a big jump between yeah. what they had last seen and what they saw then because it, four or five years had passed because everybody went their separate ways around age 18, whatever direction we went. So yeah. when I really started to become good, I was on a college campus and these people had never seen me before. So yeah. it's a funny juxtaposition, Ken, because the people in the neighborhood where I was from, they only remember me as a guy who, you know, barely made the high school team, and even when he made it, didn't play. Yeah. And they knew me from playing pickup. I had become okay at pickup, but the, the era that we come from again, there's a yeah. there's a hierarchy. You play street ball, and you play mm-hmm. for your mm-hmm. school, your high school, yeah. your college, and pro if you can make it. Yeah. Now, when I got to college, though, these people didn't know me. They didn't know that yeah. I started at age 14. They didn't know I barely played in high school. They didn't know that I had. Basically, struggled to kind of build some semblance of ability on the basketball court. So when I got to the college campus, and at this point, I feel like I'm actually good. You know, I have yeah. some some talent. My talent is starting to show at this point, point. Yeah. and I was kind of a late bloomer. But late was about age 18 for me. So when I show up on campus, they're looking at me like, "Man, this guy is super talented. Like, uh, how, yeah. he's probably been good his whole life, right?" But they didn't know <laughs> I just yeah. got good that summer, right? Yeah. They, they didn't know that. So it's yeah. funny that it was just two completely different. Uh, ways that people were viewing me based on what they knew about me or what they didn't know about me. So yeah. that's kind of how that happened. So it's not the people in the neighborhood, again, they only saw it years later and they saw that I had become better. Uh, yeah. They didn't know. Nobody really knew the whole journey except me.
0: Yeah. So being there, um, uh, Dre, and you're in this new arena, if you will, no one knew you or anything like that. How did Dre begin to feel? the individual in this new place, no one knew you. They think that you're a ball, you're a ball all your life. How, mm-hmm. what was your mindset at that time with yourself, right, As a, a young man.
1: Well, the mindset for me was, uh, take advantage of it. Right. If everybody thinks I'm, I'm just this great player. Well, okay. Let me just step yeah. into being a great player. I mean, mentally that was my thought pattern. It's not yeah. as easier said than done, but <laughs> that was my mindset. Just, uh, be this player and i was pretty much the school i went to was a very small school my freshman year so i was the most talented player on the campus which is not saying a lot being that it was a very small school but it was a a big step up from what i had been the year before so i just continued to do what i had been doing since age 14 was to continue to work on my game keep practicing uh keep spending time in the gym trying to get better i eventually got introduced to lifting weights so i could work on my physical body as well as my ability on the basketball court but i i was always the type of person who would if there was time and space i would always go to the court and practice so yeah. when i got to college the best thing about it ken was that i finally had access to an indoor gym consistently yeah, yeah. i was using mm-hmm. an indoor gym so then i could just practice more and what was funny is none of my teammates practiced on their own they would only practice if the coach said hey we had practice at four o'clock they came to that but outside of that I never saw any of my teammates just come to the court on their own volition just to practice on their own to get better individually but I had always done that that's the way that I started and that was the thing that had gotten me there so that's what I always did but I noticed that none of my teammates ever did that so for them it was like they had just gotten naturally better just by playing for as long as they had been playing but for me I was doing it intentionally and consciously So that was a a big difference that I noticed. And throughout my whole time in college, I noticed that most of my teammates, they fit that exact same description. They never practiced on their own. I only had one or two teammates, and I played with a lot of different players in college who practiced intentionally and consciously to get better. Where everyone else, they only did what the team required and nothing extra.
0: Uh, Guys, I hope you guys are listening to what Dre just said, because it's vital when it comes to your personal development. You have to put the time in it um you have to practice with purpose uh and make sure that you spend because what he was doing again the quality of time one that understands the time but this was a statement that a young man had made that this was his path and he saw how it worked for him in in high school but he didn't get a chance to use it but when the time was there, he used it. So you have to learn how to live your life and your mind uh, intentionally to get the things that you want. You just can't haphazardly walk around by default um, and rely on your uh, talents or your gift, if you will. But uh, when you push that little further, you always become a little bit more efficient, more skilled, yeah, if you will, at what you do, because where you're getting skilled, Dre, and I know you will testify to this, is in the mind. So here you are, this young man in college, you're watching and seeing how these other guys are moving forward, and you're playing your ball, you're doing what you love. Um, as you're looking out into your life, because we know that you're playing school, you're going to be looking, of course, into the uh, professional world. What was your mindset, Trey? Because you're going, you know, in that. Area that playground, if you will, or where the big boys are. What were you thinking um, uh, with what you were doing, and what did you see and know within yourself that you can accomplish? What was happening with you as you were moving, navigating towards that area?
1: Ken, over the years, as I going through my college years, I just continued as I you know I already told you about just practicing yeah. on my own, getting better. Uh, improving my game. And I knew I had known probably by maybe age 16 that I wanted to try to make it as a basketball player. Now, I didn't know yeah. exactly how to do it or what steps to take, but I just had that as the vision in my mind. I was going to try to make it as a basketball player. So yeah. I happened to have one teammate and he happens to be one of the few teammates who would practice on his own the same way that I did. We connected over that. And he actually knew some people who had played professional basketball internationally. And yeah. when i say international I media outside of the yeah. united states so mm-hmm. he knew about that path he knew exactly what you needed to do you need to go to these events there's like they're like job fairs for athletes they call them exposure camps you go yeah. to an event like this you play pretty well you get seen and noticed by people who have the power to help move your career forward and He's pretty much telling me, Dre. That's pretty much what we're going to have to do. Because I went to a yeah. college that was a Division three school. So for those who are uh, listening along on the story, Division three is the third tier of college sports. Pro athletes usually come from the Division one level. I was at the yeah. Division three level. So this is probably explains why a lot of my teammates didn't really practice on their own because they didn't have <laughs> ambition for yeah. basketball. They were just yeah. playing because they could, not because they were really serious about going to the pro level in sports. They were figuring. They would play ball while they can, but then go do something else outside of sports. So this one teammate that I had, he knew some people who had done it. So he basically put me on to what the process would be. So we are we both had our eyes kind of set on the same thing. We need to go to one of these exposure events so we can you know, show ourselves off and show our game and hopefully create an opportunity from there, which is what ended up happening. So once I got out of college, I eventually a year after graduating from college, my first year I didn't, um, I worked a couple regular jobs. But then a year after graduating from college, I went to one of these exposure camps and I played pretty well. And I got a good scouting report. I got some good footage from that event. I basically parlayed that into going and finding me a, a basketball agent. And agents work in the sports world, same yeah. way they work in entertainment or the literary world, trying to help the talent get a job. And that agent helped me get my first job. So that is, uh, I'll left a lot of details of that story out, but yeah, that's yeah. pretty much yeah. what I did in order to get on uh, into the pros.
0: Yeah. Once you got there now, because this young kid said something in himself, this young kid, 16, as you said, I'm going to make it in the pro. I'm going to get there. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I, I'm I'm probing uh, Dre guys to show you that once you make your decision, it's going to cost you some stuff. There's a cost to uh, getting to your dream. And uh, uh, it's it's. It's expensive, if you will, from what the world looks at and what others will look at it, but the individual it is not expensive at all. it is a necessity in order to obtain their desired outcome. You got your agent, you got your first gig, the agent makes the phone call dre trade, you were on a team. Talk to us what happened to you, this young man with that spoken um, uh, power release at 16 years old what did he do once he got that call if you will
1: yeah so it was a uh, think it was a text message but yeah, <laughs> pretty much what it was was uh yeah, my agent had kind of let me know i signed with the agent maybe in july maybe early mid-july and then by the end of august so it was about six six to eight weeks he had okay. found a team that was interested he told me maybe a few days before hey I'm talking to this team, and it was in Lithuania, actually my first mm-hmm. job. So I'm yeah. talking to a team in Lithuania. They're interested. Uh, here, he just gave me some overview, high level points of what they were talking about, and he said, "Yeah, let me keep talking to them. It may take a few days, but I think this is going to work." And then he would just res- give me another message the next day, "Hey, there. Here's what they're talking about. Here's what I'm doing. I'm pushing for this. Let's see if we can make it work. Just stay tuned, stay ready. You know, because once we get this done, they're probably going to want you on a plane." Like the next day. So whatever day we agree, you need to be on a plane, like either within 20, 48 hours, you got to get on a plane and go to this country. So that was how I was thinking. And at this time, I'm working at this gym all uh, called Bally total fitness, which is yeah. they're no longer in business, but I was a manager there because I was actually doing pretty good selling, selling for them that summer. Yeah. And I'm just waiting for him to tell me that everything is a go cuz then I'm going to have to quit my job, I got yeah. to get all my stuff packed and I got to get on a plane and go to this country. Yeah. I had I had never been out of the United States at that point in my life at yeah. uh, 23 years of age. So I'm excited to cuz I'm getting yeah. to actually do what I want to do. I'm getting to travel and I'm getting to play a game for a living. So I'm just excited and hoping that whatever my agent is doing, I'm hoping yeah. that this deal actually happens and we can yeah. go wait. So by the time he told me it was actually happening, I believe it was a Sunday. I remember, because uh-huh. at the time, I'm still living in my parents' home. So yeah. I remember telling my parents, hey, I got a, a deal to go play in Lithuania. I'm gonna be on a plane yeah. in two days. And yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much how I went. So I think it was a Sunday and I was on a plane by like Tuesday. And so I had one day to kind of get all my stuff together. Yeah. I believe it was Labor Day as a matter of fact. So late August uh-huh. going to September, Labor Day weekend. That Monday was Labor Day in, in the USA. And I went to Bali and had to tell the manager, hey, I'm going to play overseas. And then on Tuesday, I was on the plane. So that's how it happened.
0: (laughs) How did mom and dad take it? How how did the family take the fact that um, this was the route that you picked and you're heading in that that direction? How did they uh, adjust to that?
1: Well, I don't think they they didn't know a lot about the professional basketball world. Now they might know yeah. people in America. I mean, they know the NBA. They know if you say you're going yeah. to play for the New yeah. York Knicks or the Lakers, they know about that. But yeah. as far as overseas basketball, people in America don't know anything about that. Even the basketball fans, most of them know nothing about how overseas yeah. basketball works. So I knew my parents didn't know anything about it. I think they were just happy that uh, they had a, a child getting out of the house and now they had an empty nest. All right. So now they- <laughs> They could just be uh, two adults with no kids in the house anymore. So nobody yeah. eating up all the food, using the electricity, yeah. no, all of that stuff. So I think they're most happy about that. And they were just hoping, yeah. all right, whatever this is, I guess he'll be good. And maybe it, that'll be it. He's He's gone. And he's not coming back. So yeah. I think that's what they were thinking. But I don't know because I know they didn't know, really know anything about it. So I think they were just uh, hoping, all right, I hope everything's okay. But whatever this is, and it just feels yeah. good. Yeah. Hey,
0: guys, people that are listening to me and and Dre, the reason why I'm probing Dre this way is because I want you guys to see the journey uh, because I want you to get an understanding, some insight as to Dre. Uh, We're talking more of his internal stuff. You guys may be familiar later with uh, the external, the the, uh, TED Talks, the books, and all that stuff. But uh, he was made through this conversation that we're talking about. And I want you to get an understanding of him because I want you guys to get into his space, get his books, get all of the things so that you can uh, be familiar now with the professional aspect of him and what he did with the mind stuff. And that's what I want to talk to him about it. And we were heading in that direction because I wanted you guys to see how did this young man get to where he is today? especially with the training and bringing in the tools of the mind. So, Dre, if you are on the plane, you got into the when you, you got there, and, of course, you have someone that will take you around because you don't speak the language, I, I doubt it. And uh, you're here with all these teammates and stuff like that, and you began, as you're assimilating into it, and you began to show them, Dre, the mindset. How did they receive... Dre, when he got there, and he began to do his thing.
1: So the interesting thing with that first uh, playing gig in Lithuania is that most of my teammates and the coaching staff did not speak English. Yeah. So we're only communicating through basketball terms and on the basketball court. And my agent, so my agent was an, an American guy from Virginia. Now, he, what happens in the overseas basketball world is if you have an American agent, often they have contacts who are in the other countries. So basically this deal was done between two agents. There was a, my American agent and he connected with the guy in Lithuania. And that guy in Lithuania was the one who basically took me under his wing once I got over there. So he's the one who came and got me from the bus stop and he would come to practices and he would have to translate whatever the coach said to me because the coach did not speak English. This guy spoke English. He was Lithuanian, but he spoke English. So that was how that process was. So with my teammates, there wasn't ever really like a deep conversation because they couldn't speak English. So it was really just all on the court. And I mean, we all know how to play basketball. So it was really just me just figuring out and adjusting, you know, what does the coach want? Was he trying to communicate here? You know, what do my teammates want? How do they play, you know, and then just getting on the court and just doing what you get to do. Good thing about not everybody speaking the same language is that, you know sometimes you can do what you want to do, and you can act like you don't understand. Next, so, that was one good thing about it. But I, there was a couple of I had a couple of teammates in and out who did speak English. Like uh, had a guy from yeah. there was a guy from Africa. I don't know what country he was from, and another guy who was from New York, and he they were both you know, English speakers. So other than that, though, um, almost no, nobody in the organization spoke yeah, yeah. English, but you would meet people in town that could speak yeah, a lot yeah. of the young people. At that time, a lot of young people did because they watched the, our media and yeah. a lot of them learned English in school.
0: Yeah. So here you are, you're in this country and you're getting to do what you wanted to do. You know, you're playing mm-hmm. ball. And so as you're playing ball and you're um, assimilating into the culture and getting into all of the uh, aspects of it, um, as you're moving through your life, uh, Dre, as you began to um, expound in bringing and doing all your mind uh, 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 things that you've been practicing all your life. Uh, What began to start to, did you start to do to become consistent? Because in in sports, what matters is consistency, coming in and putting the, the points up every day, every day, every day. But in order to be consistent, One has to have a certain mindset, uh, Dre, when you're tired, because every day you're not, you don't want to be here. Um, But you have to put yourself in a state when you walk on those courts. How were you able to do that, Dre? Because um, where you began to switch into, you you know, you, you put on that mask where you are able to become consistent with the points, with the performance, day after day, night
1: after So your question is, is, we broke up a little bit while you were talking there. So your question is, how do I how did I get myself into the mental state for the performance on the court? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that was something that I kind of developed a little bit later. I don't even know if I had a a specific process for it that early in my career. I would say maybe in the second half of my career, maybe from because I started playing ball. I started playing overseas in 2005. I would say probably by around 2000, maybe nine, ten 10-ish, around that time, that's mm-hmm. when I started to develop a, a process for how am I going to get myself ready for the game? Uh, this many hours before the game, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. That's when I really started to think about that stuff. I wasn't thinking about it as much the first couple of years of my career. I was just going out there and just playing. I was just playing. Yeah. So uh, what I did start to do was just figuring out all right, how's my body in its best shape if I'm going to take a nap because I usually would take a nap during the day, during my playing career. So yeah. make sure I'm waking up from the nap early enough that I didn't still feel like I was still waking up by the time the game started. So I had to make sure I spaced yeah. that out the right way uh, what am I eating or drinking before the game? If I was going to listen to some music to get myself into the right state before yeah. the game, you know the warm ups, you know all the things that I would do maybe at home before we even got to the facility, wherever the game was going to be, home game or road game. That's when I really started to make a process for all of that stuff. But at the beginning, I wasn't doing any of that. I was kind of just showing up and let's just play and let's just see yeah. what happens. Yeah.
0: Why did you do that, um, Dre? What prompted you to begin that? um, that process, what was it Good that question. took place?
1: Good question. So I think I got a lot of that from just reading and my, the small amount of business experience I was getting at that time. Cause I had gotten yep. introduced when I was in college to network marketing, which I didn't mm. stay in, but the introduction to it opened my mind to a lot of things about business that I hadn't been taught in school. And I have a business degree and they, the teachers yeah. were not teaching the stuff that the network marketers were talking about. And, one thing network marketing makes clear is that there's a clear process and system here so you don't have to figure anything out just do what we tell you to do you and do yeah system and you'll make money that's pretty yeah. much how it works so and i like that idea because i'm like man this is like a business in a box that's pretty much what it was and they did have a clean system doesn't mean everybody succeeded in it but there was a system and then i would i would always read books i told you my mom's an educator so i've always been into reading mm-hmm. i remember reading books like uh, rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki thinking grow rich yeah. by napoleon hill uh, Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour week. And Tim is a person who he thinks and he writes in a very strategic way. He breaks things down strategically and process-wise. So yeah. I remember reading that book, maybe 2007, 2008. And he would explain, hey, here's the process for if you live in America and you want to hire somebody in India to be your executive assistant, here's the process for how you post the job listing. Here's the process for how you Explain to them a job that you want them to do and delegate the task. Here's the process for how you make sure they understand the task. Here's how you check on it. Here's how you train them so that they can do the job that you want them to do. The whole point being and bringing up Tim, because he's one of the first people that I saw, especially in writing, just explain, here's how you can make a process or already made a process. Just use mine. Here's the process that you can use to set up your things, whatever you're doing. And I... Again, uh, inductive reasoning just figured, well, if you can make a process for that, we can make a process for pretty much anything. So why not just make a process for some other stuff? So I just started making processes for all these things that I was doing because I realized that a lot of what I was doing was repeat behaviors. I was doing a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. So I just figured, Ken, why don't I just make a process out of everything that I'm doing so that I know exactly what I need to do every time so I don't have to spend time thinking about it. I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And once I find a process that works, now I can just do it over and over again and keep getting a, a favorable result. So I started doing that with my fitness. I started doing it with, uh, you asked about the mindset, on the court. I started doing it with that. And at this time, I was starting to you know, create and sell my own products online. So I started doing it with that stuff as well. Mm-hmm.
0: That is awesome, man. I, uh, Bruce Lee has a statement. He says, I don't fear a man who kicks who a thousand kicks. He said, I'm afraid of a man who practiced a single kick a thousand times. Because That's you get right. more proficient in how you deliver that kick. You learn to um, figure out the mechanics, all of those different things. Uh, when you begin to do that and you are talking about those things, as, uh, and I always tell people, uh, Dre, the information, the data is out there, you have to be a student. One of the things that I, I always encourage someone that when you become when you're on the path of enlightenment, you are a perpetual student until you die, because mm-hmm. you will grow and get better to become better. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, um, words, if you will, that, uh, I always say to people is that uh, phrase is that I am becoming. And to me, that means I'm becoming whatever I want to design. I, it is up to me to design what I want to become, but sometimes you know, as we are growing in a personal development, a personal adventure, if you will. Uh, most of us don't know what that is until we begin to start walking and, and beginning to change and so forth. So here you are, you got your right. processes and you bringing out the results. Those are around you now are going to begin to notice that because I want you to talk about how did you transition from the court to because what you're learning on the court. And I tell people, it's, it's life. You're learning life. You're learning the same processes, the same way by which you're going to be successful in life as you are on the court. When you begin to do that, uh, Dre, how did you begin to notice that it does translate into the daily living, the uh, personal development aspect as you are putting your processes together?
1: I started to notice it because uh, I had started putting videos on YouTube around the same yeah. time I started playing uh, pro ball, and I wasn't doing it consistently as it as if it was a big business plan. I was just putting videos out sporadically, and once I saw there were players out there who were getting benefit from it, I would do it a little mm-hmm. bit more consistently, but not really—maybe once a month, something like that, or whenever yeah. I got around to it. So I, I started to have a little bit of an audience online. So by around 2009, this is a point where I found myself without a, I was not um, employed at the time for basketball, basically a free agent waiting for the phone to ring. But I had this audience online of ball players who have been following me for some time. They were just trying to learn the game the same way that I had once been trying to learn the game. They were learning it on the internet as opposed to having to figure it out on their own like I did. So when my phone was not ringing and i don't have a contract offer coming in for basketball i started to focus a little bit more on this whole online space and what i was doing online which we now call having a personal brand at the time i don't know if that phrase even existed but it was it was a a new thing so i started putting content on youtube more consistently and this is all basketball related stuff so i started putting videos on youtube like every day and I, i told you i just read uh, tim ferris for our work yeah. in his blog he had a experiment that explained to people hey here's how you can test out a product idea if you have an audience online or even if you don't and you want to sell stuff online here's how to test it out and it was a simple little five-step process and i followed it and started creating my own products based off of that and it, the products were just four basketball players so like four dollars yeah. and 99 cents a piece my first products yeah. and again that the seed had been planted because of that network marketing experience that I had in college is going through a couple of meetings and reading rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki and his whole, the whole concept that book was that you want to own assets that put money in your pocket instead of you being the only asset. The only way you put money Mm -hmm. in your pocket is you working, but how about you create some assets? So when I create those products, those were assets because as long as I can sell them, I can make money. So all those things kind of came together at the same time at a time where I was actually, looking for something i needed to figure out something because again one of my phone doesn't ring again and nobody ever calls me to play basketball again what will i do so this is what i was thinking and that's when i started to focus more on what became now we call work on your game which is the whole brand and business which is based on those mindset pieces now where the mindset piece came from ken to fully answer your question here was the ball players who were following me on youtube all I was teaching them was here's how you dribble, how you shoot, how you jump higher. It was actual technical yeah. skill on the court. Now, yeah. what happened is the players would ask questions because they started to get to know me as a person. And they're like, yeah. "Well, I don't know who this guy is. This is random guy on the internet? and He's putting out videos, and he's looks like he can play, but I've never yeah. heard of him before. So, where'd you come from? Who are you?" So they would start to ask about my background. So all the stuff that we've been talking about, I would eventually share with them through yeah. videos or through comments. I was a share. I only played one year high school. I walked on division three now I play overseas. Yeah. And so when people put that together, like it was, it was actually kind of interesting because most people yeah. who only play one year of high school don't even play in college. Yeah. Right. And most people yeah. who play at division three level of college don't play in the pros. So yeah. I, they kind of defied the odds through my story. And once people realized that they started asking questions about my thought process. Yeah. So yes, they could see that I can play. That was obvious through the videos, but you can't, tell somebody's mindset you can't see somebody's mindset you can tell but you can't see it yeah. so they started to ask me questions about that like man how do you move yourself to come to the gym and practice every day or yeah. how do you get the confidence to perform in a game the same way that you perform in practice or you got cut from the team three times you walked on in college how do you decide to keep trying despite the fact yeah. that you had all this you no know, quote unquote evidence in front of you that you probably shouldn't keep trying yeah. or how do you get started even doing any of this stuff like playing basketball professionally, or if you want to walk on to play in college, how do you do it? Or if you want to get known on the internet, because being known on the internet was now starting to become a a career aspiration. Like now (laughs) kids are growing up wanting to be an internet person, not being a firefighter or a police officer, like in our era. So I started answering those questions and that's where the whole work on your game philosophy started to be formulated because I was talking about discipline, confidence, mental toughness and personal initiative. So when I started talking about those topics, that's when the basketball players first of all said, man, the way you talk about mindset is like, it's even better than the way you explain dribbling and shooting. And then people who didn't play basketball started finding the mindset content that I was making Ken and they would say, well, Dre, I don't even play basketball, but the mindset stuff that you talk about is fully applicable to people who don't play sports, as well as the people who do play sports, so that's where the seed got planted in my mind that I could take this piece of what I was doing and I could serve way outside of the realm of just sports with it. Yeah, so that's where I that started.
0: Yeah, um, I always tell people, and and Dre's story shows this at, um, so plainly. Sometimes we don't get uh, a, a do- you know the Bob Marley song, one one door open. Uh, one close and another one open. Um, mm. One is closed and the other one is shut. Sometimes uh, there's a reason behind the door being closed, uh, and sometimes you you have to go inside to find that out. And the other things I remember, uh, Acres of Diamond that we talked about. You have to learn what you have uh, in order to um, uh, uh, make a living or get you know because. I I was uh, told a story, I remember the story about this gentleman uh, from reading uh, back in the day, one of the books uh, that talked about um, uh, he sold his land and he's out Mm -hmm. digging for diamond, not knowing that on his land was Mm -hmm. acres of diamond. And so... Mm -hmm. You and I have to learn to look inside because I tell people, each one of us came here with a gift. We have something. We have something of value. Uh, You need to find out what that thing is so that you can then begin to use it to serve others and become that servant. And so here you are. You had the opportunity. Talk to me about that first book. You're on, right now, you're just on the YouTube and stuff like that, getting a conversation from others, but things are happening inside you, Dre. We, we didn't talk into um, some of the hard stuff because well, Dre didn't, I'm sure being out of work, number one, will mess with any man, my ma- And <laughs> you have to learn how to manage that and, and uh, walk through those things. Um, so Dre, talk to me as you're doing all of this, how did the thought of the first book Came in and says, You know, let me, let me put this down um, because I know everyone is coming, but you still have to think about putting it down and putting it to uh, pen to paper, if you will.
1: The first book came about because uh, self publishing was becoming ubiquitous at this time. Yeah. And I had heard of self publishing and I'd always been writing. So I've been blogging. Actually, it's just as long as I've been on YouTube. It's just yeah. YouTube drew, drew more attention, but I had always been blogging because I've always been a writer and a reader. So when I saw the self-publishing was a thing, I and because I saw all the basketball players were asking me questions about my background, I figured, why not just write a book that'll yeah. be my story, just from where I started up, to, up through my college years. And that was my first book. It's called Buy a Game, and it's all about how I started basketball up through my college years. That's all I explained in that book and it's the only one of my books. That is a narrative. That's really just a story. Everything else is more self-help, no technical stuff. So that's where that book first came from. And I only put that book out, not even on Amazon. I put it out for free. and just let people download it because I learned how to know take a document and make it into a PDF. And this was all a relatively new thing at the time. So yeah. that was the first book that I put out. And I put it out just for the reason of a lot of people want to know my background. And I knew there were enough that they would all go read this. And I had a lot of, you know, I had athletes in my audience. So it's not like these people came to me because they wanted to read a book. And I yeah. lot of them didn't read. Yeah. The they people who would say to me Dre, right, I never read books, but I read your book. Yeah. because they had connected with me through the basketball and i was giving them what they valued so they were willing to sit down and read and because a narrative book is a lot easier to read than just an informational book because you're just you know, hopefully it's a page turner you want to keep turning the page to find out what happens next so yeah that was uh how my first book came about
0: and the concept of the name work on your game how did that come about who how did uh, how did it come about, uh, uh, Dre? Was it you? Was it someone, one of your your people? What was it that uh, made that name stood out to you?
1: So the name of the first book, uh, Buy a Game, came from one of my middle school classmates who I'd asked him for some advice uh, right before <laughs> yeah. graduation. Like, hey, how do I get better? He said, well, you got to stop playing scared. Number one, number two, you need to buy a game. Yeah. And buy a game just meant you have no skills. You got to get some skills for basketball. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. just kept that advice and took it to heart and then over the years as I continue to progress and get better the concept work on your game that actually just came from something that just it might have been subconsciously planted in my head but really it came from all the players who were asking me questions by that point of questions of advice for how to get better at basketball because at this point now I have a I got a nice size audience on YouTube of basketball players watching my stuff and wanting help and I made a video once and I was just saying to players, well, the reason that many of you are not getting better is because you're watching YouTube more than you're practicing <laughs> or you're hanging on a corner, you're playing video games. You're not spending the time to actually practice, but you're watching the videos. So okay. this explains why your improvement is uh, going so slowly. So I said to them, you need to just uh, get off YouTube and go work on your game. And when I said that, people really liked the phrase, Ken, and people would repeat the phrase back. And people I saw the response people were giving to that phrase. Yeah. So now I just started using it more in my content. I would just say, work on your game. I just started saying yeah. it more often. And then I realized like, hey, I could I could name everything that I'm doing. Yeah, I could put it all under the umbrella of work on your game because I didn't, I never wanted to pigeonhole myself just into the sports money. Yeah, But the phrase work on your game doesn't say sports. It just says yeah. work on your game because everybody yeah. has a game. So yeah. it was actually a, a, a great, uh, a great slogan, a great phrase because it encompasses Everything that we've been talking about up to this point and everything I had been doing and eventually did do by just coming up with that phrase, work on your game. And then that's when I uh, branded it, trademarked it, all of that stuff.
0: That's that's your brand right there. Um, Mm -hmm. I love it. What I wanted you to do now is to whet the people's appetite in this sense, uh, Drake. I want you to talk to them as uh, invite them into your process you don't have to go into detail because we want them to come into your space i want them to get your books i want them to buy all the things that you're into his space man because he will help you to work on your game as he says uh, and so uh but just give us a little flavor if you will of the processes that when one comes into your space dre what is uh what can i expect as i'm coming into your world uh from the outside what what is there to greet me if you will once i get into your space
1: sure so over here at work When your game we have a simple four-part framework that is based around mindset which is the foundational piece that's just the way you think the way you approach yeah. life the way you see things is the mindset second piece is the strategy that's a plan of action uh what are we going to do who what when where why how all of those things are covered under the strategy just breaking down deconstructing uh, where you want to get to and deconstructing the back to where you are right now. Third piece of the system, how do we execute on our strategy consistently and in a way that is duplicatable and your outcomes are predictable? And then the last piece is the accountability. How do we make sure that everything and everyone is and are doing their job as they're supposed to, and we make any necessary adjustments as you know, as they come up? So that four-part four part framework, mindset, strategy, systems, and accountability, that is what we do at uh, Work On Your Game.
0: Hey guys, you heard the man, Um, and uh, I love the slogan because within that, it encompasses everything that you will be doing within those uh, four, those framework that he gave you, is that you are working on your game to lift that game up, to change your life. It's all, it starts here in your thoughts. Everything that you and I see on this planet here uh, originated other than the ones that God created but it came out of his thought. He said, let us make men in my image and in our image. And so he had to th- yeah. think about what he wanted. And then he came out. So everything that is on this planet came out from the thought. So you have to learn how to manage that thought. Um, I always give you the advice that, uh, because I tell them, I grew up in a church and mm-hmm. G- Jesus said to his disciples, take no thought," saying, and To me, when I started looking back at the, I went into the the, uh, the original language to what he was talking about. He says, do not agree with every thought that comes into your mind. Mm -hmm. And so that means that I have the ability to pick and choose which ones I want to manifest. Because which one you pick will manifest. Because God said, I want light. And he said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. And so we're following the same example, the same model, because he had a business plan before he started. The business plan was all done. And then he said, let's do this. And so uh, Dre gave you his plan, his process by which he will help you to work on your game. And I invite you all, I'm going to provide everything for you guys to get access to him because I'm excited about this conversation because uh, he laid it out for you and um, uh, you guys need to change. I have someone here that will help you change. And so we'll give you all of this information so that you can become the best human spirit while you're here on this planet and uh, change your world. man, thank you for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you so much, sir.
1: Well, thank you for having me on, Ken. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for sharing your platform.
0: Uh, My pleasure, man. And again, we'll give you everything, uh, the listener, everything so that they can get to you. And and, um, uh, like I said, I can't wait for them to get in there and change their life. So you have a good one, man. Enjoy.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you again.
0: No problem.